0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Run for PRs, Run for PRs Coaching helps runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training, family, career, and other pursuits. And they're excited to help support you in your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. Their coaches work with athletes from all over the world through an online coaching platform that allows them to schedule your runs, review them afterwards, communicate feedback, and most importantly, hold you accountable. All their coaches are Boston Marathon qualifiers with years of coaching experience. And you can learn more at run4prs.co. That's run, the number four, prs.co. You can also follow them on Instagram where their handle is at run4prs. And if you do fill out an online questionnaire, make sure you, you tell them that you heard about them on the Rambling Runner podcast. Also, this show is brought to you by. The Rambling Runner Podcast. That's right. We're sponsoring our own show today because in two weeks, I'm going to be out at the California International Marathon doing two live shows, one Friday night at 5.30 with Sarah Crouch, who was the first American at Chicago and is hoping to get a win over at CIM. And the next day at 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm doing a panel with four people who have been on this show. It's Kim Clark Underwood, Heather Schultz, Jill Deering, and Patrick Cutter. We're going to talk about all things marathon and achieving your goals. So when I say live, I say that because there's going to be an audience, not because they're going to be broadcast remotely live, but I will be taping them so that I can put them out as separate podcasts later in the month. Please make sure you go if you're going to be in town. Also, I'm doing to do a meetup after the 2.30 show. It's going to be at 4 o'clock on Saturday at Old Soul Coffee Company. It's a great place. It's about half mile, a little under half a mile from the expo. I'm just going to be walking over there right after the show. So please join me. It's a good spot. All my Sacramento peeps recommend this place highly. So that will be a fun time. So today's episode is a dual part episode. I have first my conversation with Teresa Breslin. Teresa has had a very up-and-down year from a running perspective. Why? Well, first of all, she gave birth. That, that'll affect your running. <laughs> that's for sure. And then she, got, she was beset by some injuries. And I love talking to people who are sidelined for whatever reason and then bounce back and just start killing it. And that's exactly what she did. So we talk about that for about half an hour. It's a little bit shorter than most of my... Uh, interviews. But with all due respect, her little guy, he uh, he dro- dropped a deuce right at the end of the episode and she had to bolt. <laughs> and that was that was she told him. She goes, we can talk for as long as we can, but you know, if the little man if the little man needs something, we got to go. And that's exactly what happened. All right. And then the second part of the episode is a Coach's Corner episode with my coach, James McCurdy, where we talk about me bouncing back, hopefully, from some of the uh, some of the health issues that have cropped up uh, over the past month or so. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have uh, heard about some of these. So we take a deep dive into that and what the next steps are. So I hope you like this episode with Teresa Breslin. Hello, Teresa, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. That's for sure. I know you're a busy lady. Yes, And I got your your little man,
1: little man is here. Yep. So you might hear some grunts and groans from him, but hopefully no screaming. I assure you that if there is screaming, they're fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry, everybody. The kid is okay. (laughs) He's just being a kid. That's right. That's great. Well, speaking about being okay, you are more than okay. You've been killing it. You had one, one heck of a week. So first of all, congratulations. You had two awesome runs in, like, a four-day span. You dropped, like, a little 5K PR on the watch and then had a 10K this weekend. So, I guess last week at this time, so, say, last Monday, mm-hmm. what were you thinking about? Like, what did you think this that week had in store for you?
1: Um, so, last Monday, I remember I had a really good, easy run, and I just felt good, and um have kind of southern Alabama. So it had finally cooled off. And I remember thinking, oh, the heat training is finally paying off. Um, and I felt good. So um, things are starting to click. Finally, um, my baby just turned 11 months and um, the postpartum running had been such a struggle. I was dealing with injuries um and things were finally clicking again so happy
0: oh that's good to hear so you so you saw this coming a little bit you saw this you saw this happening relatively soon because everything seemed to be kind of falling into place yes oh that's wonderful now so let's go back a little bit because this this year has been quite the highs and lows for you from a running perspective it seems like right you had like the boston marathon experience which i mean it wasn't pleasant for anybody but it seemed like you got you were actually smiling on the race course. So you had that going for you.
1: Um, I was smiling for the cameras. I <laughs> <laughs> the cameras, I would flash my smile. But um, no, the first probably 20 miles of Boston, I was, you know, making the best of it, smiling, having a great time. But then um those last six points. Oh, I really it hurt. Um I was four months postpartum, so I had 20 weeks from the birth of my third baby to race day, and it was just hard, and so finishing Boston was like a huge weight off my shoulders more than anything, um, because there there were just days where I didn't know if I would be able to even get to the start line, so... Now, is it that the, a, quickest,
0: the quickest? It's quickest turnaround you've ever had from postpartum to marathon.
1: Oh yeah, I would never ever choose to run a marathon at four months postpartum. Um, but we all know Boston. Like Boston doesn't let you defer. They don't care if you're you know pregnant, postpartum, injured. You know, you qualify. You go or you don't. So. I just, you know, pure grit, just got through it and did it, Um, and it was hard. I don't recommend it for anybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that race was hard for everybody, no matter their circumstances. Obviously hard, uh, even harder for you maybe than for a lot of people, considering circumstances. So how quickly did you start ramping up the runs um, after your son was born, it seemed like you were pretty active during the pregnancy as well. At least, at least you had that going for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to keep running. I, I'm just not one of those women who can run through pregnancies, like, you know, like nothing. Um, I stopped running at 35 weeks. So I took a month off before his birth. And then when he was like 12 days old, I did my first walk run interval of like a mile. Um, and again, like I don't recommend that for anybody, but I knew that I had 18 weeks to run a marathon and I just felt all this pressure to get there and make it happen. Um, and that's why I was injured for so long after Boston. So yeah, it was a learning experience, but, um, did it. So <laughs> I can be proud of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was the mental pressure? Like, obviously the physical pressure is self-evident. Um, but what was the mental pressure like juggling just the, the parenthood with the newborn with, you know, with this huge physical task you're trying to you know get prepared for
1: um so i think my postpartum anxiety would have been high either way whether or not i was training for a marathon um and i think i think the the kind of running therapy that i get from running long kind of weighed balanced out the um the extra anxiety that I had from it. But um, the most pressure I felt was that, you know, I'm paying so much money to do this. Like we were living in the LA area at the time, Southern California, we were going to have to, you know, get the grandparents to come out to watch our two older kids. We were paying for the flights, the hotel. It was like, this is money that we could be spending on, XYZ for the family and this is something that I'm doing for me so I felt all this mom guilt over it and I was like if I fail you know I'm letting my family down in this way too like this is such like mom reasoning but um, yeah that was like heavy pressure for me like I, I have to do this um, because of that does that make sense
0: <laughs> no absolutely I think I, I think it certainly is um, certainly a mom guilt thing, and there is, you know, especially when it comes to a newborn, um, there is there is such a difference from a gender perspective, right? Because like, you know, like especially if you're nursing, it's like there's there's stuff you do that the father can't do, you know, right? It's just like that there's there's an inherent difference in the genders there, um, but even with that said, like I know what you mean, man, because I've had long runs where I'm like, hey, I'm going out for a long run. It's like the random day where like my wife. It's like I'm like able to do where like my wife and kids are actually awake. Normally, I try to do it while they're still sleeping.
1: Right. And if like
0: that long run doesn't go well, I'm like, what a waste.
1: Yeah, you take that time away from your family. Yeah. See, I don't have that as much (laughs) because I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm with my kids all the time. So, um, running and especially those long runs, these are like this is my one day a week that, you know, the husband takes the kids um, and he was super supportive. um, And it was my one time that like I guilt free took time away from the kids because I'm with them all the time. Um, But like the financial aspect of it, like I said, I'm a stay at home mom, I don't have an income. In fact, I have lots of student loans, I have a law degree. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, taking the money to pay for running stuff is like really hard for me, which is probably one of the reasons like I'll never pay for a coach. Um, I'm the type of runner that wears the same one pair of running shoes, you know, Um, I barely race, hate to spend the money on it. And so like doing Boston was, you know, really kind of a big deal not just from a running standpoint, but from, like, the financial and, like, the mom guilt part. Right. So,
0: did that play a part in all in your execution in the race? Because you still, you ran 4.06, which, all things considered, it's a remarkable time. Yeah. For that race. So, while you were struggling through the elements, like everybody else, what was your mental game like uh, when things started to get tough?
1: Um, well a big part of it was just that like I physically knew that I could not stop running because it was so cold. Um, I knew if I'd start walking then I would cool down too much and, um, I wouldn't be able to start running again. And I I know a lot of runners. Um, they have the same experience. Like they knew they just couldn't start walking. So that was part of it. But then I had um, my mantra that I kind of picked up towards the end, which wasn't, I wasn't expecting going into it. But I was just like, I've given birth to three kids. Like, childbirth is way harder than a stupid marathon. <laughs> like, childbirth is harder. Childbirth is harder. And I just like put one foot in front of the other. And um, it was the most painful run like running experience that I've ever had. But like I said, childbirth was harder. So <laughs> that was my, my mantra at the end of Boston.
0: Now, what exactly was painful for you?
1: Um, so after I got through Heartbreak Hill, I had a very conservative pacing strategy. Like I started slow and I was like, if I have anything left in the tank after heartbreak, I'm just going to like open up and see what I can do so
0: and that's around like mile 19 or so
1: I think it's mile 20 21 okay. but I um I opened up my legs I ran like an eight something pace mile um <laughs> and then the classic Boston like my quad started cramping up and I have never had muscle cramps running before. And so I was like, oh, like now I know what everyone's talking when they talk about like the quad cramps. <laughs> so um, I, I literally thought that like my legs were going to just completely break down and I was going to stop and fall on the ground. But somehow, oh Somehow they kept moving. Um, Yeah, it was painful. And then like at some point I rolled my ankle and I was like running on a bum ankle and my hip was starting to hurt really bad. Just like all these pregnancy imbalances were exposed, um, doing a postpartum marathon and it was just like pure pain, but I knew I couldn't stop. So I didn't, um,
0: so you did. I love it. You couldn't stop. So you
1: didn't stop. <laughs> Not to mention like the headwinds and the rain. It was just miserable by the end, but, um, I finished. So,
0: and your fan was at the finish line. Like if you stop, you still got to go to the finish line. Yeah.
1: And that was another thing. My husband was with the four month old and I saw them, um, at like mile 26 and I felt so bad because, Of course, you want to stop and say hi to your family, but it was so far at the end of the race where, like, I knew if I stopped to, like, give the baby a kiss or whatever, I wouldn't have been able (laughs) to, like, roll my body across the finish line. So I just kind of, like, looked at them, and I don't even know if I waved, and I feel really bad about that now, but um, I don't think I could have stopped to kind of acknowledge them waddling
0: (laughs) waddling you you ran you ran like like your last 10k was like one of your fastest, though you weren't you weren't exactly waddling you moved at least pretty well
1: oh it was it was a slow finish it was
0: well i'll tell you what it's also like and i know i've experienced it and i'm sure in this situation i can imagine you may have as well that like the emotions can like you know, overflow mm-hmm. in those situations. So I can imagine stopping to see the kid and the rain and all that. Like it definitely would have been like a very emotional experience. Like, ah, I'm
1: done. Yeah. I'm it's just, done. I'll see you guys later. I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. Like you start kind of crying at the end, you know, when you, when you see that Boston marathon finish. And I was just like, oh my gosh, keep breathing. Keep the legs going. Um, it was a mental battle for that, too, because you just want to break down and cry and sit on the ground. But you're like, oh, I actually have this, you know, couple hundred yards to go.
0: Right. No, for sure. And and you mentioned previously that, you know, like, and this is why I was injured after the race. So. After after the marathon, after like the typical cool down period after a marathon that, that most people experience, where they just kind of relax for a little bit, what was it like for you to try to get back into running shape, considering just the toll you put on your body the previous four months?
1: Right. So it took me a long time to admit that I was injured. Um, I just thought, oh my foot, my foot is really sore that's weird. I guess I'll just give it a little more time. Um, and then I was like, oh, I remember kind of rolling it during the marathon. Um, it must be like a little sprain, no big deal. Um, and I would, I would keep trying to run on it and, and my body just said no each and every time. Um, so finally I went to the doctor he was like, let's get x-rays. So I got x-rays, nothing showed up. So, you know, I kept trying and trying to run again. And I'd go on like little two mile runs and keep trying. And just for months and months, I couldn't. Um, and then, you know, we're military. So we moved from California to Alabama over the summer. And, um, just the stress of all that took its toll, and I was gonna run Marine Corps yesterday, but um, I had to drop out of that because I knew like something's just not right. And I even once we moved to Alabama, I saw the doctor again because I was still in the same amount of pain. I had an MRI's, blood work. So
0: new doctor, new doctor, at new this point.
1: doctor, new civilian doctor, and <laughs> that makes a big difference. She was just like all the tests we'll get new x-rays we'll get MRIs we'll do your blood work we'll send you to physical therapy off the bat like let's find out what's going on so um <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing I got the MRI results and they're like nothing's wrong with you <laughs> we don't know oh, what's god. right <laughs> and I'm like "That's
0: Why? like the worst the, the non-diagnosis is like the worst diagnosis I know you're like like don't tell me I'm healthy god damn it I know I'm not
1: <laughs> yes so and I even went to physical therapy and, you know, they told me I have had rotated hips. They could see that I had some imbalances um, from, from the marathon and, you know, childbirth in my pelvis and hips and everything. Um, but really, they were just like, here's some exercises to get you stronger, but they really couldn't see that anything was wrong with me either. So it was really frustrating and I, I had tried to come back and build up my mileage again and again and it just didn't work. So um, the turning point for me was when my son weaned and my body could finally heal and I could finally sleep and um, I guess all the all the failed attempts had primed my body that like once that happened things started clicking and i'm running faster now after you know only a couple months being back at it i'm running faster now than i was before i even had my bq marathon so wow super excited about that yeah
0: so, talk to me about the difference in sleep, like what it was before and what it is now. And I'm really interested in this because I'm going through my own little—I know,
1: s- yeah—my own little s-
0: thing over here, where uh, you know, I, I'm not going to get into me, but anyway, I'm really <laughs> interested in how you approach this.
1: Well, it's simple. When I breastfeed my babies, they wake up at least once or twice a night to eat, no matter what I do. I've tried every sleep training. I've tried everything I've even tried like supplementing formula before they go to, before they go to sleep. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's cause I still drink coffee while I breastfeed <laughs> that they're getting a little bit of caffeine. I don't know. But, um, my, yeah, my son was waking at least once or twice a night, like sometimes three, four times a night. Um, oh, really God. bad. Like, yeah, every other hour, Um, and so my, I was wearing my Garmin all through, um, all through breastfeeding him and like my kind of threshold for having a normal day the next day was seven broken hours. Um, and now I typically get like eight straight hours a night, but, um, I'm actually sleeping solid eight, my eight hours and it makes such a difference, such a big difference.
0: And was that the level you were at um, once you'd kind of weaned off baby number two? Was that like your, is that your typical level when you're not nursing?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Got it. Cause eight, eight straight hours. I mean, that's like, that's optimal. And that's what they say. Yeah, it's like, exactly. that's like, that's like the, the recommended desired amount. Um, and when you say that, like that made all the difference just at the granular level, what about your body, mood, willpower, all of that? What changed for you once you were able to to transition in the sleep?
1: Uh, Well, part of it's sleep and part of it is, I think, hormonal, um, just because breastfeeding Mm. suppresses so many hormones. Um, But, you know, they say that lack of sleep causes anxiety. I certainly felt that, um, my postpartum anxiety and my prenatal anxiety is usually pretty high. I'm just like, I just feel like a different person now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's helps my mood. I have a lot more energy. I'm just like a calmer person. And obviously my body is recovering, um, between workouts. I really felt like I wasn't building muscle like I would, ch- I would be running, I would be lifting, but like I wasn't getting stronger or faster. I mean, I know that's not true, but like my, my cardio gains were always exceeding kind of my, my neuromuscular gains. Um, So, you know, I'd be my easy runs, my heart rate would be going down, but like my faster runs wouldn't be getting all that much faster. Um, and now, they are we're seeing the correlation because my body is recovering it's just such a big difference
0: and there's science that supports that absolutely I mean, there's science that shows if you sleep less than you sleep six hours a night around that mm-hmm. for even like a week or say even for say an extended period of time and you're losing weight and you're like purposely losing weight whether it's diet or whatever it they show that it's a, look at that little man he, he's on <laughs> he's a tear. Happy. He's loving it. <laughs> yeah um it's shown that, that that you burn or you lose a lot of muscle weight yeah. as opposed to fat yeah. in that scenario just how your body reacts to uh the lack of sleep mm-hmm. and being you know being underslept versus obviously and your no one no one wants that generally speaking but certainly no one in your situation would want that you're literally trying to build muscle yeah and being underslept is literally, you know, doing the opposite. For me.
1: And I was, I was looking at at photos and um, the race photos from Boston recently, and I was like, I look really thin. And I was comparing them to like my ten k photos from over the weekend, where just like I look so much stronger. I was like gaunt, Boston for me, and it's just crazy. Cause I was eating like a bottomless pit. I ate an entire cliff bar during the Boston marathon. I was like eating full size protein bars during the race and during my long runs. And I just couldn't eat enough and I was still losing weight. And I think that definitely, well, it has to do with breastfeeding of course, but definitely the sleep has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and you've always been active with the lifting weights. How has that changed um, recently versus, you know, that seven week period where you had off?
1: Yeah. So when I took seven weeks off, this was in July, August, um, doing anything. Took them completely really? off. I was like, yeah, I wasn't doing anything. I mean, I was getting moved into our new house, which was like... <laughs> that felt like workout enough. But um, yeah, I, I just I was hurting, like my body was aching all the time. I was just I didn't feel well enough to exercise. So I did nothing. Um, and then I think it might have been end of August or September, I started physical therapy. And so I kind of started doing those easy little physical therapy, hip thrusts, you know, Kegels, whatever they had me doing, um, and, and hip stretches. And then um, my Instagram friend, Ruth, shoes, watch, run, running, rewired, which is like it's written by a physical therapist just for lifting and preventing injuries.
0: Can you say that again? You cut out there for a second.
1: Oh, um, an Instagram friend had recommended the book Running Rewired by Jay DeCherry. Um, And I've seen it. Some of the Insta community have posted about it, but I bought that book and I started doing the recommended workouts, just like he has kind of heavier lifting workouts and then lighter, easier workouts. And he recommends like two of the heavy lifting ones and one of the lighter ones each week. So I started lifting you know, three times a week, in addition to physical therapy. Um, and it's just made such a big difference in my hip strength, which I think was where all my injuries were kind of stemming from after childbirth. Um, like I remember running Boston, and you know, I took some water at an aid station and it kind of went down the wrong pipe. So I was coughing. And just like, my abdomen, when I coughed, was like so weak and in pain. And up until like a month or two ago, I would still feel my abs straining sitting up and getting out of bed. Um, And um, so these exercises really helped me strengthen my core and like get all those little muscles back in shape. Um, And I've been doing those I only did it once last week, but I've been doing them two to three times a week typically. And that has helped a lot.
0: And how has the hard lifting days affected either positively or negatively your running workout sessions, like like your hard running efforts?
1: Um, so I try and lift right in the afternoons after a hard running session. So I do... I do two, um, hard runs a week and then I, I try and do my hard lifting in the afternoons after that, after I eat. So I get a good meal. Um, and like I lifted heavy last Wednesday and I was sore for like four days. I was still sore during my 10 K, but, um, it doesn't really affect my running very much. I just, once I loosen up, it's, it's fine. (laughs)
0: Got it. So, so that's, so obviously you have to have kind of built up a little bit tolerance, right. To be able to do that strength lifting session after you put in a hard effort in the morning. Like, what was that like at first when you were trying to
1: do that? Uh, well, in the very beginning when I, I wasn't running very much yet, um, I prioritized the lifting. So I would lift first and then I would just go for an easy run after. And I didn't really add hard speed work yet. And so over the course of several weeks, you just get stronger. Um, and then I'm signed up for Snickers marathon, which is in like 18 weeks, I think. Oh my God. So... The aid
0: stations, the aid stations must be amazing. Just the candy buffet.
1: <laughs> I've heard there's no Snickers on the course, but that's, that's, th- that's okay. just
0: refund. Get that I... refund back. Put it in the student loans.
1: Um, so um, yeah. So as I'm, kind of approaching my, um, six week, 16 week training plan for the marathon. Now I'm sort of trying to prioritize the running a little more. So I've swapped them and like, I'm going to lift, I'm going to lift today in the afternoon. If, if this kid will take a nap.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's, that's interesting how you were able to do the lifting without the running, because if you were already running at a high level and then introduced hard lifting, I can see how there'd be almost like an orientation process. Yeah. That you'd have to navigate as opposed to how you were not I wouldn't say lucky enough to do it that way because obviously you didn't desire to be taking a seven weeks off, but it seemed like in retrospect it worked out fairly nicely if you're gonna be introducing that into your routine.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's the same way that I did it for my middle child. I would always typically lifting a lot more after having a baby and then get into the higher mileage running just because like, you know, pregnancy, um, having not been able to exercise a whole lot during my pregnancies. Like I find that I really need to prioritize strength training in the beginning when I'm coming back. Um, and so that's what I did after, after she was born. And then I ran the LA marathon. I ran, I had my big breakout kind of marathon.
0: So given all you've learned over the past, you know, four or five years, and especially this year, uh, how is this marathon buildup going to be any different or how are you approaching it? Um, considering what you've gone through in years past.
1: Yeah. So I definitely, I'm doing some things differently. I, I do want to keep lifting through my training cycle, which usually, goes by the wayside when you're starting to run higher mileage. Um, We have, like, a really nice home gym now that we just got over the summer, so I should be able to keep at it. Um, And then just, like, your typical things that you hear that are so cliche, but, like, keep the easy days super easy. Um, And then instead of trying to do two workouts in a long run per week, I want to do just two hard days per week instead of three Um, because I I feel like every time I I try and add that third hard day per week, it just um, does more harm than good. So staying kind of conservative with that, especially with lifting too. That's kind of a lot.
0: (laughs) I've been the same way. Having the two workouts plus long run, I feel like in order to do that correctly, you need a lot of recuperative time. You yeah. know, it's not like I couldn't do it, but I haven't been able to balance that with the rest that would be needed to do that for a long, right. for the long term.
1: And, you know, like the athletes that are doing that probably, you know, they're, they're taking naps. They have, you know, they don't have kids on their hips, you know, and because after my hard workouts, I'm going to the zoo and walking around for two hours. So <laughs> it's not like I really have the life to be able to do that which is fine like running should enhance your life and like fit within it not kind of i don't want to be stuck on the couch because i worked out too hard you know what i mean
0: for sure and w- has there been times in your life where it, where you haven't l- kind of uh lived to that ideal where it hasn't been enhancing it's been you know stressful and in a, a hurdle you've had to overcome
1: hmm yeah training for Boston, for sure. <laughs>
0: yes. That's for just sure.
1: like, you know, just having to pump the bottle for the baby before leaving. And it just took forever to get out the door and then coming home and just feeling dead for the rest of the day. Like it wasn't ideal.
0: So in the middle of your seven week break, did how long did you think it was going to take you to get to where you are now from a fitness perspective. Cause you told me like, Hey Matt, you're going to take a seven week break. You're literally going to do nothing besides like parents, which isn't mm-hmm. nothing, but it's not working out. It's just mm-hmm. exhausting on a variety of different reasons. So if like someone tells to me, I'd be like, Oh crap. Like, I don't even know what that's going to mean. Like, did you have, did you have a certain timeline in your head?
1: Well, I figured I would be nursing my son until he was one, which it would be next month. But um, he ended up like getting sick and going on a nursing strike. And so I kind of took that opportunity to, hey, offer some formula and see how that went. Um, he's, like, he's like the Gandhi of babies. Hunger strike. <laughs> he knew. He knew what I needed. <laughs> he's so wise. Um, like I said, that was such a turning point for me. So I started, my body started feeling better after that. He was sleeping better. Um, and then when I first started running again, um, and these are all in my Instagram posts, I was like, Oh, like, I'm starting to feel a lot better. I can actually run again. Maybe I'll run a half marathon in the spring and then a really late spring marathon in like May. Um, and then as time went on, I was feeling better. I was like, Oh, you know what? Like I'm feeling better. Maybe I could do an earlier spring marathon. So I was looking at February, March. Um, and that's when I chose Snickers because it was in March. Um, and it's supposed to be like a nice, you know, good weather flat course. And I really want to BQ again because I need to go back to Boston and not have a miserable experience. Um, so I'm hoping to do that. But yeah, and even now, like every it's been a couple weeks now where like every time I run hard I'm like shocked at how fast I'm running and I'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop like okay when am I going to plateau again um but it, I'm still sort of exceeding my expectations so we'll see what happens
0: that's awesome. that's awesome well I'll let you get back to doing your mom thing thank you so much for coming on the show this was great and I'm so excited thank to keep so following much. you because you've been killing it you killed it last week and there's more to come. You hadn't even started your marathon training cycle and you're killing it. So congratulations. I
1: know, I hope so. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right.
0: Have a great day. Before we get into my conversation with James, I do want to say thank you to Run for PRs for sponsoring this episode. And as you're about to hear, having a coach is really important. Especially if you want to achieve something of, you know that's worthwhile or there's a certain goal that you have in mind. Having a coach is a critical component to doing that. And if you don't believe me, just look around at all the high level athletes out there in any sport. They all have coaches. Why? Because it works. These are people who have dedicated their lives to succeeding and even they need a coach. So why don't you? So I would definitely suggest going to run for PRS.co, filling out their questionnaire and having a conversation with them about having a coach that works best for you. Also big shout out to Megaton coffee, fueling the rambling runner podcast, Twice as caffeinated and twice as good as any coffee you're going to try. It really is fantastic. Not only that, you get to have less liquid in your belly before those big workouts and a little caffeine jolt to help you reach your fullest potential. I love having it before my workouts. I really do. And it's uh, it's one of those things where not only does it give you that boost, but it tastes good. I cannot stress that part enough. Go to MegatonCoffee.com buy yourself a pound it's really it it really is a good deal for 16 ounces i think it's 15 bucks but remember you're getting twice the coffee that a normal pound of coffee would give you so give them a shot megatoncoffee.com now here's my conversation with james james how's it going my man i'm doing well how are you Doing good. Well, thank you for for popping on the call. We got to do our our check in. We haven't checked in in a while it's been a, via phone. It's been a hot so, minute, so I'm excited to uh, yeah, I'm excited to chat. <laughs> um, so let me just do a little, just do a little background here, all right. if you don't surely. mind, before we dive into it. Okay, so for about a month, I was kind of slowly but surely getting more and more tired and lethargic. So at first, it started like, all right, I had some some hard workouts that I had to cut that didn't go my way. And then, but the rest of my day, I was fine, no issues. And then I had a couple easy runs that were shockingly hard. Yeah. And then the workouts still weren't going great. And then I had wor- easy runs that I had to cut. So like a six mile run would turn into like a two mile. Yeah. Run that was like exhausting. And then that's also around the same time where I was just getting tired just generally in my life. But am I tired? I don't mean like, Oh, I'm a little sleepy. Like I was like falling asleep at my desk type tired. And then I got like beset by just like extreme lethargy, like couldn't do anything in my life. Went and saw some doctors, had two blood tests. Here we are. So basically the blood tests have determined, basically ruled out a lot of things. Um, it did rule in a couple – one thing in particular, which was that I have low testosterone. I don't know how long I've had that, but I have it now. So on a scale, the men's scale is like super large. So it's like basically 300 to like 1,000 is a typical
2: yeah, testosterone yeah. range. Whatever have the test done in the morning. Whatever they deem as quote-unquote normal.
0: Right. So I had two tests that were done. And they were both done at the same time of day, which is key for testosterone test. And it was 280 and 285, which is low. Yes. So the next step... So then at that same time, like, okay, basically take two to three weeks off of running, continue with the better sleep, which I've been getting for about a month now, basically seven hours minimum every night, which is good. And, um, And then basically, you know, take a week off running and then, you know, hopefully... Our two weeks off running, then hopefully this will start to get a little better. And then I got set up with an endocr- endocrinologist appointment. And in addition, this is like me compacting a lot of things into a little bit of time. And then also, I'm taking some steps in the meantime to try to boost the testosterone, which is some vitamin D, which I'm a 30 on the vitamin D scale, which is like low minimum, and which is not atypical for Northeast
2: people. Yeah.
0: Um, and I'm taking some zinc, I'm taking some Ashwanda, and I am going to start doing some heavy lifting um, because that also boosts testosterone naturally. And, frankly, it's not bad for you. So all those things are good for you anyway. So those are the steps I'm taking. I have an endocrinology appointment. So fun fact, James, if the coaching thing doesn't work out for you, become an endocrinologist because, evidently, they're really popular because (laughs) my appointment is on January thirty first. Oh wow. That was the earliest they could see
2: me. Wow. So two
0: and a half months away.
2: Yeah, it's so. it's hard unless it's weird. Um, you know, as you know, Heather's been dealing with, with a sickness, like a bronchitis type of sickness for the past few months. It was what took her out of Chicago. Um, and it, it's I you know we live in a state where uh, healthcare in this state isn't wonderful by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, across the country, healthcare sucks. Um, Insurance is a nightmare. Uh, But just trying to get an appointment can be a pain unless you know the doctor personally and where they just say, yeah, just come on in and and, and I'll see you. I'll sneak in. Uh, But how often is that the case for, for so many people? We have to sit and wait months just to to see a specialist, which is insane to me. Um, so I feel you there, man. I, I do. I understand it. I understand the, the the struggles with it. But you're doing what it is you need to do in the immediate to recognize that there's something going on. It's not a physical issue. It's not a training issue. Uh, it's nothing that you're doing wrong. It's just something that you're dealing with. So how do you deal with it? And that, that can be some of the hardest things uh, to, to go through uh, because there isn't something acute like breaking a leg or getting to a car accident or something that, that you didn't have control over, but you knew there was going to be a recovery period because it's just a simple broken bone type of thing. Right. Um, or, you know, you, you, you twisted the wrong way and you tore a tendon and something and you required surgery. This is, this is something that's going to take a little time to figure out what's really happening in your body to understand, okay, what, what are the steps to fix? But you're doing what it is you need to do. And I recognize how frustrating that can be um, because, I I mean, I've been there. We all have been there at some point. Um, But your passion for what it is you want to accomplish is stronger than the struggles you're dealing with now. And that is really important because that's going to keep you engaged to where you want to be a year and a half, two years from now.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the first part of that I think is important to understand because it's – I'm not exactly sure, and hopefully we'll find out, you know, what's causing, you know, what, what or what caused the general lethargy, which is like, was pretty, was, was pretty hardcore. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely feeling better now. Um, I haven't had any crazy crashes in the last five days. Which is, which is wonderful, nice. yeah. And, which is huge. But also, I wondered how much of it is self-directed versus something uncontrolled, because, there certainly can be something maybe the endocrinologist will be able to put their finger on it like maybe what caused it and basically also how much of a silver bullet the low t is in this whole issue it might only be part of it yeah not the whole thing. yeah but but the other thing is is that like i basically for all intents and purposes have been been like sleep deprived for like the last five years yeah <laughs> so that's what, that's like a part of my life that i'm really addressing um now and moving forward because basically for five years i was averaging five to five five minutes five hours to five hours and 15 minutes of sleep a night for like five yeah. years which so when you're so, running so, so that could have had a build up on on the low t as well absolutely i mean that th- there is a direct
2: correlation there. you need i mean it doesn't matter who you are uh we need sleep we're not robots we're not imperfect human beings we need recovery time emotionally and physically um You know, sleep is primarily when your body recovers, primarily when the body is uh, repairing itself. And if you're always on the go, you're only going to operate so high before you really start to break down. It's the same thing with over racing. Um, You know, if you race every single weekend, you can only expect to accomplish so much. And you can kind of stay at a level for a little while before your body breaks down. You know, We need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves uh, in all aspects, whether it be nutritionally, whether it be sleep, whether it be making sure that in terms of running, of course, of making sure that you're, you're not training too hard too often. Um, even if the volume's coming up, making sure most of those runs are easy, which I think on the training side of things, I think there was nothing that we were doing that was outlandish. Uh, but I, I do think that sleep definitely for you plays a big role in your body's ability to recover Some athletes need more you know and it's just not a reality that that everybody faces um some can operate off of six or seven hours and some need eight to nine
0: yeah so i've been in a situation where i was basically like medicating with caffeine to kind of like combat the tiredness yeah for a long time yeah so i was able to i was able to, to train for months on end on five hours of sleep and then ultimately like i would crash which is like in retrospect now I can probably point to a handful of times in the last decade where I underachieved at a race or didn't get to a start line like primarily because of lack of sleep. Um, so I can definitely look at that now. And it's funny because when I was in it, I'm like, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Cause you just can't, you just don't notice cause you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. Whereas like now for the past, five or six weeks i've been sleeping like seven hours or more a night plenty of times it's been over eight hours and like the occasional time where i'll get six or six and a half like i notice it throughout the day which is funny because before like if i got six and a half i'm like wow that was a great night of sleep and now i look at it like yeah that's stunk." You, like i'm like i'm like i'm like really
2: fading here you didn't recognize how bad you felt because how bad you felt was good for the time I guess it, right. Like you just said, it's, it's all a matter of perspective. And it takes a little time to understand what feeling good really means. And there's a reason why professional runners prioritize sleep. I'll give you an example, um, Kim Conley. Uh, I, Heather and I had an opportunity to sit down with Kim Conley. And, and if you don't know who she is, she's a two-time Olympian. Um, she's going uh, for her third Olympic team in 2020 uh primarily on the track she's an amazing runner um and when we sat down with her we we talked a little bit about uh life and training and all this kind of stuff but one of the things we did talk about was when she actually does her workouts and she says she doesn't have an alarm clock any day of the week she wakes up when her body says it's time to get up and she will do her workout when she says her body allows her to do the workout. Sometimes that means at 9 a.m. And sometimes it's going to be a little later and sometimes a little earlier. But she and her husband, who is her coach, uh, they prioritize sleep as one of the most important aspects of her training. And it seems like such a simple thing, but it, it really is that important. If your body isn't primed and ready, you're not going to be successful.
0: Yeah, and I always viewed it as all right, and, and and on some level, this is not a false statement. It's one. It was one hundred percent true that if I wanted to run over forty miles a week, in a lot of cases, especially if I was taking a day off during that period, that I would have to. I would basically have to make the choice between sleep yeah. and running. Yeah, and like, uh, oh, hey, yeah, once I, I would get to a certain point, and I would always choose running and there were plenty of right. times where i self-sabotage where i went to bed way later than i should have so it wasn't just that but there are plenty of times where i would make that choice and i would always choose running where in retrospect that was a false choice because in choosing running i was basically sabotaging the running
2: yeah they, they do go hand in hand you have to uh, you have to make that that recovery that priority i mean we have we have athletes that work, uh, odd shifts. Uh, one of my athletes, Melissa is a NICU nurse. And there are some weeks where she, she's working crazy hours. She's a single mom of, of two. She's working full-time at the hospital and she, she's been training for, for half marathons and marathons. Um, and one of the goals she had was to qualify for Boston. Um, and I believe this training cycle, she was in the most fit she's ever been in. Um, But there were some weeks in this training cycle where she only got four hours of sleep, and she would text me almost apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry. I just couldn't get my workout, in. I I was too tired. I needed to sleep. You don't need to apologize for that. Like, go to bed. I want you rested. It's far more important that you are rested than you are running a hard workout. It's far more important that you are rested and healthy uh, and recovered than trying to run X miles per week. It will ultimately dictate what we'll see in your training in terms of possible success and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I want you healthy. I want you feeling good. I want you finding that, quote-unquote, balance with it all. Um, and if you're only getting four or five, six hours of sleep a night, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Brooke Adams is kind of the same way. Uh, she, she really wanted to run 70, 80 miles a week. But being a, 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 an assistant principal in the school district, getting her – uh, going, going to grad school and training uh, the, the level she was training on top of also trying to socialize and have a life, you, you just can't do it all. You know? and Sometimes it, those are tough conversations to have with her uh, to say, hey, I need you to not run all this. I need you to take a step back and run a little bit less than you want to run because we have to recognize the other stresses in your life.
0: Yeah, Brooke, Brooke is a fantastic person. She was actually on the on the podcast, as you know, early in 2018. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't listened to it already. So here I am. So, so when I was starting to struggle with the fatigue, we were dialing back the running to try to, like, mitigate the situation yes. before we really knew what was actually happening. Um, so we basically cut it in half. So I was running around 45 to 50. And then we basically cut it between 20 and 25 um not even by um schedules more like run what you can
2: run what feels
0: right right exactly so i did that and then even then it was like all right just gotta like just gotta cut this thing out so i went when uh two weeks ago i did zero this past week i did what five or six yeah miles yes yeah. um, practically nothing and then practically nothing it was basically just like i want to make sure my legs still worked (laughs) that was really the excitement um and then also it was like i approached it pretty like i approached it with the sense of like i want to run to actually have energy like you know some people say they get energized by their run i've never actually felt that way before so i'm like all right i think actually running right now will actually give me energy if i just take it easy and it did so i was glad i did a couple of those runs but um and i did a couple uh, cross training sessions like 10 like one was like a 10 minute like yesterday like like back and forth between like body squats and push-ups and then unfortunately friday was the killer because we had like the wettest heaviest snow of like my lifetime on my gr- on my driveway that <laughs> was like it was like too sticky to use a snowblower and i was like oh good grief like someone's gonna have to do this yeah, so yeah. yeah someone was me um so i had that going on but no i'm excited this week um again I'm thinking, and I love to hear your. Actually, no, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking. What are you thinking in terms of the next couple of weeks, uh, in terms of um, a schedule uh, from a running perspective?
2: Well, I, I think we we focus on movement on four to six days of exercise, whether it be thirty minutes up to sixty, um, on feeling good. I think some of those some of those weeks, you might say, "Hey, you know what." all I'm feeling is three or four days. Uh, but I believe if we, if we take a step back and if we look at things from a scientific standpoint, um, imagine a, 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 bar graph, right. From zero to 20. And this is kind of a simplistic view of it, but imagine a bar graph from, from zero to 20 and 20 is the most benefit you can possibly receive, uh, out of cardiovascular exercise running. Um, The 30 to 45-minute window might give you, say, 13 out of 20, which is a significant chunk out of that, right? A 30 to 45-minute run will will help develop fitness uh, and uh, will give you, say, a 13 out of 20 uh, in terms of benefit. Uh, You can actually gain fitness off of that. Well, that doesn't mean if you run 30 minutes that running 60 is going to give you double. The bar graph only goes to 20. Right. So maybe maybe running 60 minutes now produces maybe 14 and a half out of 20. You only get just a little bit more by running uh, a little bit longer and certainly running two hours versus 60 minutes isn't going to produce, again, double. It's just going to give you maybe 17 out of out of 20. Right. So there my whole point on that, if you can imagine this, this bar graph. Is that the biggest bang for your buck in terms of developing fitness, especially when you are coming back from a little bit of a break or an injury or just coming into running altogether, the biggest bang for your buck is to try to get to that 30 to 45 minute window. So I think that's where we start. How do we get 30 to 45 minute runs three or four days a week and possibly get one run a little bit longer than that? I think that is a a priority for us over the next four to six weeks. Uh, Well, once you start to feel better, we'll start to introduce strides at the end of those runs just to kind of give you a little bit of pop. Uh, And then uh, on top of that, depending on your schedule, depending on what makes sense for your life, we could start adding structured lifting sessions into your schedule, uh, maybe two to three days a week, if it makes sense, if it's not overburdening your schedule. Yeah,
0: and I think that that needs to happen, not just from a running perspective, but from the testosterone perspective
2: yes. as well. Yeah,
0: because that's going to help boost it. Yeah. So that stuff that I that's something that I want to, and I can fit that in because I work, you know, I work in athletics at a university, so like gym access is not an issue. Yep. So it's like, all right, like I can basically say, like, hey, if I don't have a lunch meeting today, or if I'm not running at lunch today, I can just lift at lunch.
2: Yeah. Not an issue. Yeah. Right. So it, it, if we can get a thirty minute run in. We can possibly get a 45-minute lift in, and we don't need to worry so much about, okay, I'm not running as much as I was. That's okay. We don't need to be running. You don't need to be ready for your goals now. We just need to get you healthy and get you moving uh, so long as you're healthy enough to train now. Um, so uh, this is something that, that we, we often face uh, with, with athletes in your position. We've had athletes in your position before, maybe for different reasons, but this almost, if I'm not running X miles per week, how am I going to get? better and it's okay you don't need to run x miles, but we just need to get you moving we'll slowly build back in for some people that's a slow build uh, and for some people it, it takes a little less time uh, but I think right now the priority number one you're, you're doing what you need to do nutritionally and sleep wise so you've, you've been working on that so now we can I feel comfortable prescribing 30 minute sessions 30 minute runs uh, and having you make the decision okay I, I feel pretty good today I'm going to go for 40 to 45 today Instead of a 30 minute run, you know, that having, having some self-awareness there, but also making sure that you make the time to lift a little bit, because that's going to help you. You like it, you enjoy it. Right. And that, that alone is going to make you feel better.
0: And I'm excited in two weeks. I'll actually get a chance to meet you in person, James.
2: Holy Lord. That's right.
0: We haven't even met in person yet. We're going to both be at the California International marathon, which I couldn't be more excited about. So I'll be in town. We're we'll doing the live podcast at the expo Friday night with Sarah Crouch, who's hoping to maybe get the W is at this, the California is, did International you, Marathon.
2: Did you just announce that for the first time?
0: It is, but frankly, it will probably be announced before I release this podcast. <laughs> okay. So people, people might already know. Um, and then Saturday afternoon, yeah. we'll be doing a live panel discussion at the expo with Kim Clark Underwood, Heather Schultz, Patrick Cutter. And Jill Deering, all of whom have been on the podcast before, so that'll be fun. And then, are you have you scheduled your either meet up or
2: shakeout? We on the, on Saturday we 5. have yeah. not made the announcement of when it's going to be. Uh, I want to take a look generally at CIM. What the the race will do is have a professional shakeout with all the pros, right? And that's not that's not a mandatory thing, but it's something that the race organization likes to host um, and that's generally done at around 8 a.m. So I want to, I don't want to encroach on their shakeout at all. So I think if they end up hosting it at 8 a.m., we'll probably host ours at nine um, just to make sure any one of our athletes that wants to run would say the likes of Steph Bruce or Sarah Crouch or Emma Bates or Matt Yano or Nick Arsenega, some of the, some of the best professionals in, in, in the nation, are going to be at this race. I think, honestly, it's probably the most stacked race in U.S. history, um, male and female, uh, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to say, uh, to be a part of that. Um, So we'll probably do ours at nine, and then I'll have my one-on-ones that I'll do with my individual athletes, uh, which uh, I think I'll probably have 11 or 12 one-on-ones that day.
0: Nice. All right. So I'm gonna to go to that shakeout. That'll be my little my little run that There's day. your thirty minute run. And Perfect. There it is. Yeah. Boom. There uh, it is. And then and then i have the then I'm doing the meetup after the, the afternoon show. So it's like two thirty at expo and from there I'll just walk over to the old soul uh coffee shop, um which is about half mile away. Have a little little rambling runner meetup. and have some goodies there, which, is, which will be fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man. It's gonna I'm be really great. excited.
2: You know, so, it's weird. like so a little, little business trip out in Sacramento. I, yeah, whenever I get a chance to meet an, a personal athlete. I mean, I love meeting all the athletes. I, I do. Uh, I don't always have a personal connection with them, though. But I you and I have been speaking for over a year. Uh, and then certainly we've been working together for, what, six months now? Um, maybe a little yeah. longer than that. So, we clearly have a, a personal connection now, so it 's going to be it 's almost weird sometimes I, I think I said this uh, before it, sometimes it, I get nervous to meet an athlete because <laughs> because you know we, we have a connection on the phone or through text or through the app or whatever whatever means our communication ends up being. But man, I just hope you like me.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, see. You 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 blew off. You blew off the meetup in Boston last year. Oh, it was. Just... So we we, we, would, we would have met. We would have. We met. would have
2: met. We would have met. <laughs> it was it was it was. <laughs> oh man, that was that was a lot of maintenance and control of of the uh, the anxiety for that day. That's for sure. Oh, I can
0: imagine. Yeah. yeah right. You probably had like scheduled one on ones, and they probably tripled. Oh, in, like it, the daily. It, it the was way. a lot. I
2: think I think I was working that day right when we woke up in the morning up until the shakeout run and then obviously giving a talk at the shakeout run, given the circumstances. Uh, And then I think, I don't, I don't think I got done with our um, with my personal one-on-ones until about five o'clock in the, in the evening. Um, And it was weird because I was just sitting in in 30 minute sessions with athlete after athlete, that athlete after athlete. And I couldn't use the bathroom because the coffee shop was getting busy. So I had to ask like, somebody just to hold my seat so i can get up and use the bathroom um because it was just i just didn't have time uh it was funny the person was looking at me like who, who are you like what? i don't even know you why am i holding your seat yeah that's great
0: yeah that's great i I've, i meet see I'm, I'm a fundraiser so a lot of my meetings are in coffee shops oh, yeah. and I, I feel you there because like if i'm on the road traveling to new york or boston or whatever i'll end up having like in an inordinate amount of coffee in one day. Right.
2: Like it gets, it gets absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've come to the realization that my personal running at major marathons, I don't think I'll ever really get a chance to run one because I feel like I'm always going to have a group of personal athletes and I'm going to be sitting down with one-on-one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, I mean, I love it. It's great. Uh, But I don't think I'll ever get a chance to physically run or Race to my to the best of my potential a, a, a world major just because I'll be tired from talking all day, <laughs> you know. It's one.
0: Maybe they get you in Tokyo. Maybe that'll be the one.
2: Tokyo. Yeah, We we always have athletes there too. I mean, we, uh, gosh, I think we had four or five athletes there last year. Yeah, there you go. So, speaking speaking of that, how's your foot? You know, my foot it, it is. It is getting better. Uh, For those who don't know, I I did step on a rock a while back, and uh, I did some damage to a tendon. Uh, It's getting better. I actually was able to start running this past week. Um, I have to be very careful on on running on trail because if I step on a rock the wrong way, it does it does cause a a, a little bit of pain. Um, So we're we're just gonna kind of run easy. I was talking to my coach personally about it. Uh, Let's just run easy. Who's your coach? Tim Ritchie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Tim has been working with me now for a bit over a year, um, which he's been wonderful, and uh, I've seen you know the the best workouts, the best races of my life under his guidance, under his care. And no, it's weird. I, I so just like you pay me, I pay Tim full price, even though I'm, I'm the owner of the business. Um, he he's actually you know somebody that I pay uh, on a monthly basis. The same. I mean, way. I still can't
0: believe you charge me a thousand dollars a month. Well, it seems exorbitant. It, it, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, I really like you a lot, so I'm happy to pet. Well, there happy we go. There you.
2: we go. It's it's a reasonable, <laughs> it's a it's a nominal <laughs> amount, right? Nominal. Um, no, it, it it's interesting too because you know when when I first asked him about the 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 idea, he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to work out. I was like, I, I I need your guidance. I need your leadership in in me coming back um, because I would been coming back from a knee surgery uh, in August of 2017, and on my own devices uh, i was even though I was ready to run i was working I was running a little bit too hard, uh, a lot too hard, and I recognized it within myself that no i I too need care, I need guidance to make sure i 'm doing what it is I need to do um, and so with under his guidance i 've been able to truly feel like i 've been in the best shape of my life, my workouts, my races proved it and um, and even though i 'm struggling with a foot injury. It is not taken away from me athletically. I, I believe that once this is recovered, uh, because I, it was just bad luck. You know, you step on a rock. It's just bad luck. Um, once I'm I know you
0: sound, like, you sound like Mr. Glass when you, like, describe uh, this injury.
2: Yeah, well, it was, you know, it was one of those rocks where, like, it was one of those big gray rocks that were kind of sharp on all edges. And I just, I just hit it at that right spot, and it went through a uh, part of my shoe, and uh, it went right into the forefoot. I just hit it in that exact spot that just, it, you know, nothing was broken. Um, and we were operating under the, under the uh, assumption, and even though, you know, the x-rays and the MRIs, we were operating under the assumption that it was just a bone bruise. And you can kind of run through that. It, it could be a little painful, but it wasn't awful. Um, but uh, it turns out there was actually some damage to a tendon. Once I, I, the, the pain never really went away, and I, I saw a specialist who was known as Jesus in the running world, this, this guy, John Ball, his office, Uh, down in uh, in phoenix and um they said no that's that's actually not a bone bruise that edema is actually a partial tear um and that's something that the radiologist missed um so i'm just you know that's
0: quite quite a heady nickname i mean that's a lot to live up to i mean i'm assuming it's not because he has long hair
2: no no i mean it's not a it's not certainly not a formal nickname that's just what uh people have referred to him as and um he is uh, his office, so I didn't see him. I actually saw Kyle Buck, who who is his number two in his office. Um, many many professional athletes go down and see this individual, at this office, um, because of the care that they provide. They're really smart. They they're really good at what they do.
0: Sounds good. I still think you need a better cover story for the end. <laughs> like you need like I like jumped over a ledge onto like a lower landing and i came down wrong. i know
2: i was sa- yeah. i was, not like, I, was I stepped a on a big
0: gray like, rock yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, they're all big and gray yeah. You
2: know. Nah. <laughs> oh if only my life were that simple right
0: <laughs> all right oh hey i look forward to, to seeing you in person it's yeah thank you for the guidance yeah and,
2: uh, i'm excited man and, yeah i'm excited yeah it's gonna be great maybe we can gr- grab a beer when uh, when we have a little downtime it'll be nice I'm in. All right. I'll talk to you later. Uh, Talk
0: soon. Thank you, James and Teresa for coming on the show. This was a blast. I don't do the the dual part episodes very often. So let me know what you think. Um, You know, sometimes they go a little bit longer. There's a little bit, you know, maybe it takes you one or two runs um, to get through a normal podcast. Maybe it takes you a little bit longer to get through one of these. So let me know what you think. You can follow me at rambling underscore runner on Instagram. That's where I am most. In addition, I just put out some swag. Got a new website out called ramblingrunner.run. That's ramblingrunner.run. Putting some merch up there with headbands, hats, uh, it's winter headbands, hats, and coffee mugs. So if you like what you see, you can buy it. And I think, you know, shoot, if you like the show, then you might like what you see. So ramblingrunner.run. Also, big shout outs to Run for PRs. You know, if you need a coach, Go check them out and make sure you say you found them through the Rambling Runner podcast when you fill out the questionnaire and Megaton ton coffee fueling the Rambling Runner podcast. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.